Today we are starting the second chapter of Mark. We'll be in the first 12 verses. We'll be reading that first before our communion meditation. Mark 2, 1 through 12. When he, Jesus, returned to Capernaum after some days, it was reported that he was at home. So many gathered around that there was no longer room for them, not even in front of the door. And he was speaking the word to them. Then some people came bringing to him a paralyzed man carried by four of them. And when they, he, when they could not bring him to Jesus because of the crowd, they removed the roof, roof above him. And after having dug through it, they let down the mat on which the paralytic lay. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, son, your sins are forgiven. Now, some of the scribes were sitting there questioning in their hearts. "Ah, Why does this fellow speak in this way? It is blasphemy. Who can forgive sins but God alone? At once, Jesus perceived in his spirit that they were discussing these questions among themselves. And he said to them, why do you raise such questions in your heart? Which is easier to say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven? Or to say, stand up and take your mat and walk. But so that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, he said to the paralytic, I say to you, stand up, take your mat, and go to your home. And he stood up and immediately took the mat and went out before all of them, so that they were all amazed and glorified God, saying, We have never seen anything like this. Mark writes the story in such a way that we can put ourselves there. We can feel the crush of the crowd. We can see the bits of earth and brush coming from the roof as it opens. The unbelievable sight of a man being lowered down in the middle of everyone. On Jesus' face, we glimpse compassion. And then we feel the confrontation shimmering between he and the scribes. While the man on the mat waits. Finally, there's a collective gasp as the man gets up and walks out the door on his own accord. And then the household erupts in amazement for what just happened. There's a notion in our story today of getting what is needed instead of what is desired. All of us understand this idea, especially when we're children. When we want ice cream for dinner... We're told no and are giving something healthy like broccoli instead. When we want to stay up too late, we're told to go to bed. We could go on. As we get older, we understand this notion in a different way from bosses and professors, from laws, from God himself. So what I want us to think about today is when we come to Jesus for ourselves or when we bring a friend to him in prayer, We usually focus in on how we want something to be different than the current reality. In this scene, the person was paralyzed. And his friend's request that they went to great lengths to secure was for him to be made well again. They believed Jesus could help him. They made it possible for their friend who could not get in to see Jesus on his own to see the Lord. Did they say anything? 
Did they need to? Coming through the roof with a stretcher shows clearly what they're hoping to achieve. However, Jesus does not heal the body. He sees their faith in him to help, and he chooses to forgive. We also focus on what is obviously wrong in our lives, how we are paralyzed in various ways and we cannot move, and we want Jesus to help us. Yet besides what is bothering us, we too are sick with sin. Our own sin, the sin of those who have harmed us, the sin that infects the whole world. In Jesus' time, it was thought that sin brought about sickness. And in one sense, this is still true. People can make themselves physically ill because the wrongdoing that they have done is weighing down on them. And over time, it can manifest into something physical. And we know that some of our sufferings come about because of how sin has so pervaded our environment. And we're harming ourselves because of it. However, in Jesus' time, it was believed that disease was a direct punishment from God as a result of sin. We see this in the Gospel of John, where upon seeing a man with no sight, the disciples say, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? This reminded me of a story that some of us heard this week, except turned around in the opposite way. Many of you came to hear Josie speak this week from Madagascar. You heard how he worked in a village that said, there must be no God at all in this village. Because Josie brought a Bible and believed in Jesus, they told him he was going to die. It was taboo for him to believe in such nonsense. And he was going to be punished by the ancestral gods or whatever evil there was that was working against God. When he got sick, they exalted They crowed because they thought that they were right. What a huge surprise they had when Josie came back perfectly well to the village a year later because Jesus had healed him. If sin were making this man in our story today unwell, then forgiving him would have caused him to get up and walk. But that doesn't happen. As Christians, we know there is a connection of body, mind, and spirit. In our culture, we tend to separate them out more than is helpful. But we're hugely connected. When we go to the doctor, they deal with the ailment that we're presenting to them. But a good physician will ask us, how's your work stress? How's your home life? Are you drinking too much? Are you depressed? Because everything has an effect. We're not just bodies. We have no idea how this man came to Jesus. While his disease was so bad that he could not walk or get himself to the Lord, Mark indicates that he is also in need of healing what is happening on the inside. Jesus knows his heart. It is what he is most concerned about for you and for me. Jesus didn't die just so our bodies would be healed on earth, although sometimes that happens. He died so we might be forgiven, so we might be healed in our inner person. It's true that one day we will have new bodies, but the point of his sacrifice is for our hearts to be clear with God, that we can release to him our guilt and our shame, our bitterness and our anger, our brokenness. 
are actions that have fractured our souls as well as our relationships. I wonder if the mat carriers were disappointed. They wanted their friend healed. They went to great lengths, so that's what happened. Was the man sad? I would be, wouldn't you? I mean, forgiveness is nice, but I would want to walk. This shows us the difference between us and the Lord. If we're not forgiven, but we can dance the night away, we've missed the point of his life for us. We work so hard to keep our bodies going, but sometimes our souls are sick and dying. Jesus reminds us of something here we have to never forget, that forgiveness is the key to healing and what we should all be seeking first for ourselves and those that we bring to the Lord. The state of our souls matter to God more than the frame that houses it. This man presented a body that was not working, but he must have also presented a heart that was needing absolution because this is what Jesus gave. In Mark, this is the first disagreement we see between Jesus and those who served God for a living. While they don't speak their disgust for what he did out loud, he knows exactly what they're thinking. Although they themselves speak for God, they never would have considered saying to anyone, Son, your sins are forgiven. Jesus is putting himself here on equal footing with God, and they don't like it. This is blasphemy. Blasphemy means contempt for God. So they think that Jesus is having contempt for God and he is out of order. There's contrast here because Jesus is telling the man on the mat, God's not angry with you anymore for your sin. There's forgiveness for you. There is grace. All the while, the scribes are sitting over here so mad, they can barely stand it. Jesus, not one to let a hard conversation go by, asks them about what is in their hearts. It's too bad that the scribes were not open to forgiveness, like the paralyzed man must have been, because it is what they most needed. They are not in a place of accepting what God is doing in front of them. They're judging him. And so Jesus meets them where they are, just as he meets the man on the mat where he was. They needed to see that he is really God. The healing forgiveness that he brings is sometimes only something that we ourselves understand as we're forgiven. It's not something everybody else can see. The paralytic had assurance that his sins were no more, but the people there didn't consider this proof of Jesus's authority. Which is easier, Jesus asks, to say your sins are forgiven or to say, stand up, take your mat and walk. Of course, it's easier just to say the words. But in order to prove that he truly can forgive sins, Jesus brings healing to the man's body as well. And we read this and we pray, oh, that the scribes would have had enough faith to believe forgiveness was necessary just as much. Jesus heals the man who then gets up and walks out. And everyone is amazed and giving God glory because of this true miracle. But in actuality, it's the second miracle performed for the man. 
He was supernaturally forgiven first, and that was more of a gift for him than the physical healing was. I think that the bulk of our prayers today are for our bodies that are sick and diseased to be made well by the power of God. We pray earnestly in the name of Jesus every day for someone to be healed, ourselves or someone we love. We long for those in our lives to have their life back that they so want to have. This is good and it's important. And we want to continue to bring our friends to the Lord, even if we have to raise the roof to do it. But Jesus here deals with the heart first. So I want you to think about that for a moment. Because there are times that God heals the body and times when he does not. But the prayer he always answers is the prayer of forgiveness. He cares about the state of our souls before he looks at anything else. So today, as you have come into sanctuary, what is your biggest ailment? As you come to see Jesus, what is your request that is the biggest on your mind or on your heart for yourself or for someone else? And as you voice that to the Lord, do you think that he agrees that what you brought in is the most important struggle that you're having right now? Or would he offer you something different than what you seek? Communion is remembering the sacrifice Jesus came to give so we would have eternal life. It is spending time in gratefulness and humility before the one who gave his life so that we would be free. And it is asking the Savior in this moment, Lord, what is it that you want to give to me? Because he knows what we need more than we do. This morning, I encourage you simply to come, to kneel, to sit in your seats, so that he can speak healing over you, whatever that is. Jesus is here and will meet you where you are. And I pray this morning that all of us would have open hearts for what that means and how he most wants to help us. It may not be the most obvious thing that we think we need, that we want and desire but it will be what the Lord most needs to give you. And may we all accept what he gives us and leave this place with praise.